0: You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, everybody, Josh Neighbors here today for Locked On Nationals podcast brought to you by rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is the best place to find affordable parts for your car or truck. Go to rockauto.com. Com today. On the show today, Aram Layton and I, uh, we have our crossover episode, part one. It is the last National League East crossover we are doing. Arm of locked on Marlins. Obviously, I am locked on Nationals here, so we'll have a conversation two-parter, part one today. We discuss, you know, uh, how dangerous are the Marlins in terms of not making the playoffs, but what kind of challenges uh, do they pose to the other National League East teams that are trying to make the playoffs? Right? Uh, what, what kind of, uh, you know, how do they fit in that mix? And then also, what challenges will they face this coming season? That's kind of the big question, uh, you know, that, that we're going to talk about. And also talk about the challenges the Nationals are facing going into this season and, and kind of compare and contrast them. Obviously, the Nats have a whole different set of problems than the Marlins have. So we kind of break both those things down on the first part of this crossover. Hope you guys enjoy. All right, it's time for the final division crossover of the 2021 offseason because uh, the regular season starts this week. Uh, I am Josh Gabers of the Locked on Nationals podcast. Joining me today, Arm Layton of the Locked on Marlins podcast. Um, Arm, I mean, opening week, man. Like, it's, I mean, I'm psyched. I'm just, I'm glad to have baseball. You uh, are lucky because your team plays in a warm weather place, um, which is really annoying because, the Nats and Phillies and a lot of other teams are going to be dealing with like 45 degrees on opening day.
1: Oh, wow. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, it's going to be
0: 45 in D.C. I believe.
1: <clears throat> yeah. And, and, you know, what's funny is before it, it used to be kind of awful for them for the Marlins, too, because it was outside. So when you got to the dog days of July, those 1 p.m. games, the giveaways would just be like a hand towel just so you could survive. And I wish they gave away a bottle of water, too. But now with the retractable roof, it's, it's a huge, huge help. Um, but yeah, the weather early in the season is always crazy. And then right back around to the end of the season always ends up being kind of crazy, too. So uh, I, I hope it doesn't have too much of an impact on opening weekend because baseball and cold just never go together well. So I'm
0: staring at my weather app right now. And in D.C., it's projecting 46, a high of 46, a low of 28. And they have the wind icon next to the uh, the day, as you know, it's like a sun or a cloud, or they have the wind icon. So the game is going to start at the Nats opener starts at seven o five. So it'll be at nighttime. So it'll be, I would venture a bit colder, and it's going to be windy. So that sounds uh, miserable. Yep. So I'm I'm expecting Scherzer and uh, Scherzer and uh, uh, Degrom to get off to very hot starts uh, with those (laughs) two things in mind. I want to pick your brain on this. So I did rotation rankings and lineup rankings with Dan Wilson. Uh, we discussed the Marlins. Now we had them fifth. What's really interesting is this. I saw an article at, on MLB.com. It said, cause the Marlins have the dark horse for the best rotation in baseball. And it showed the Dodgers rotation. And it showed the Marlins. The big discrepancy is experience. And the talent is there. Like the Marlins rotation, the talent is 110% there. I don't think anybody's denying that. But the seasoning and the weathering it takes, and it's not like a game experience type thing. It's part of that. But the biggest part for pitchers, and you know this, is going through 162 because throwing is an unnatural motion. And being a major league starting pitcher for 162 games is something that is, you could be pitching all your life. It is such a big adjustment. And not, in my opinion, not enough of the Marlins guys have gone through that. So I think it's good for them because the team's not good enough to compete in this division right now, and they're going to get that experience and that weathering. This season, which I think is good, but what are your thoughts on that dark horse thing and kind of the experience that they get?
1: Yeah, I actually saw that article and it was it was something along the lines of like um, I forget what the analytical stat was, but it was based on like what the output was last season from like Sandy Alcantara, Sixto, Pablo Lopez. It was right on par with with all those guys on the Dodgers, which is absurd. Mm -hmm. And you know, you bring up a really good point because when we look at the Marlins' rotation it's the youngest in baseball. I think it has an average age of 23 years old. Um, And, and all of those guys are incredibly projectable, which I love because for so long it was like you had Jose Fernandez at the top, maybe a decent guy at the two spot. And then it was just like, all right, well, actually let's just get back around to the top of the rotation Mm -hmm. again. Like let's survive until we get back to one again. Where now for the Marlins it's like one through five, there's, there's something interesting going on. And you know, that, that point you bring up is huge because the Marlins have a ton of talent. I think they're going to be hot out of the gate pitching-wise um, with that rotation. But, you know, Sixto Sanchez is on an innings limit this year. I think it's only going to be about 160. Uh, Trevor Rogers has looked phenomenal. He looked good last year. He looked phenomenal in spring training. I think he had the highest strikeout number or right around there for, for all pitchers in baseball in spring training. And he's never – really gone that deep into a season. Same story with Pablo Lopez, who's battled some injury concerns. The only guy I'm not really worried about to to eat innings and get into the 200 range is Sandy Alcantara. And I think Sandy's starting to prove himself as a high-end number two or a low-end ace, quote unquote, because he's looking like that caliber of pitcher. That's the only guy where I'm like, okay, he can eat 200 innings and and you're good to go. So it's 100% a concern. I would say the Marlins hedged that a little bit with the depth that they have as well, um, Nick Neidert uh, really impressed this uh, spring, and and he was the Marlins minor league pitcher of the year two years ago. Battled injuries uh, the last minor league season we had, but a very very solid back end type of guy. Edward Cabrera, top 100 prospect. Some believe I, I think he could be better than six though. I really do, and and he's battled some injuries, but if he's healthy, he'll make his debut this year. So th- there's some guys that come in and you know can be uh, fillers or end up, you know, replacing someone that's struggling. But I think you hit a really good point that the, the real question is, how are they going to get going in the dog days with a bunch of young guys who haven't really stretched themselves out that much? And how are the Marlins going to manage that?
0: Yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of one of the challenges here, right? I mean, that's, that's what you have to do is manage these guys. And and the problem is is that, you know, they're going to learn hard and fast in this division, um, especially this season, I think. with you know, We thought it was competitive last year. And I think with the Nationals and the Phillies and the Mets all missing the playoffs, sense of urgency of winning for those teams all clearly heightened. And I think that was evidenced by their offseason season moves. Um, the Marlins are positioned to where like, they're going to have to weather that, right? I mean, they're going to have to go through, you know, the Phillies lineup is, is excellent. Uh, you know, it's, it was a great run producing lineup last year. Obviously the Mets lineup projects to be excellent Braves. We already know what they got right. Nationals, you know, they got, you know, we'll see what happens, but they're gonna have to go through that. Right. I mean, yeah, they play, you know, all these games against all those teams. And uh, I think it's going to be a great learning experience. I don't want to be negative. Like they're going to suck. Cause I don't think that's what this is. Right. It's just, this is part of the, this is part of the the growth process, especially in, in this division.
1: A hundred percent. And I think, when you look at the Marlins too, you know, it's been, there's been some really bad teams out there the last few years. And I mean, last year was, was a special year, unique circumstances, but when we, when we go before that, I mean, the Marlins had seasons where they had 16 different outfielders make a start, you know, and it's like this revolving door of guys that are like journeyman quadruple A guys. And you can't really have fun watching that. You, even, if you're going to struggle, you want to be able to say, okay, this guy's part of our future. You know, that's where it's a lot more fun to watch. And I think the Marlins are at that point now where it's like every roster spot matters. It's not like a stopgap, which is really good for the Marlins. I think it's good for baseball, too, because for, for the big time baseball fans, you know, when you're going over to play the Marlins, let's say and the Nationals, you know, beat up on them. At least it's not like, oh, we're beating up on this triple A team. It's like, oh, wow, there's some young, talented kids here. They're fun to watch. I mean, Jazz Chisholm just won the second base job for the Marlins. Like that guy's electric. And, you know, people that just enjoy the game of baseball, I think it's fun to, to just watch young players just battle it out. You know, they run hard down to first base. Like, it's just different. You know, they're, they're just hungrier, I think, to a little bit of a degree, and it's fun to watch. Um, it reminds me of, like, the 8 09 Marlins that were flirting with the playoff spot. That was a weaker division at the time, and I think this team, if they were, like, in the NL Central, I really think that they would have a chance to at least be competitive down to the final months. Um, because they beat up, I really think the Marlins would beat up on some of those worst teams like the Pirates, even the Cubs and some other teams. Whereas, you know, the NL East, there's not really a day off. And then, you know, they also have to play some teams in the AL East, which sucks too. You got to play the Rays. Right. the Andes. I think the Red Sox are garbage, but you know, the, the Blue Jays are good. And that that's a big issue. Um, something else that I think is a really interesting storyline that is a good tie-in with the Nationals is that, the Marlins do have that innings limit on Sixto Sanchez and it's about 160 innings. And we know how good Sixto can be. Um, he's got some growing pains too, but we know how special he can be. And if yes. he's having a great year this year uh, and the Marlins, let's say are surprisingly contending for the second wild card spot, it's going to be interesting. I would hate to see a Steven Strasburg type of situation here where, you know, you remember where uh, Strasburg hit the innings limit nationals were competing in, and it was the biggest story in baseball. Um, that's all I can think about when I think about six still Obviously, it's 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 unlikely that the Marlins are competing that deep into the season, but you never know. And I was thinking about that and I'm like, how do you manage that to make sure zennings well, a little bit too
0: soon? We'll let you guys know today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. RockAuto.com is a family-run business serving auto parts customers online for nearly 20 years. They have all the parts that you would need for your car or truck, and best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for pros and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box. So note, we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. I think it's an interesting question. Here's the problem though. I'm, I'm not even high on the, the Nationals playoff prospects, to be honest. Uh, and so I would tell you that I wouldn't worry about it too much because this, and this is, you know, and I, I know, you know, I'm, I'm going to kill for this if, if it doesn't come to be true, but there's too many good teams in nationally. I mean, you could argue that, four, well, not argue, you could claim four of the best five teams in baseball in the National League. Dodgers, Padres, Mets, Braves. I mean, you have a hard time arguing that those are not four of the best five teams. And then you back it up and say, the Phillies won't make the playoffs. That's how I make the playoffs. Division's all killer, no filler. And, you know, when you're, like you said, I have to play the, the, the AL East as well. It's, it's just, it's going to wear on you. It's I mean, I'm, I'm skeptical that the Nationals experience weather group can make it through that, that season. And if they can't, that's where, and I, I don't mean to be Debbie down. I really, I really don't, but it, you know, if, if they can't, how the hell are the Marlins going to do it?
1: Yeah. You know, it, it's definitely a factor. And I think for, for, for the Marlins, I, I do believe, and again, it, it's, it's more so I'm just looking at the Marlins as a team in themselves right. and you, you got to just kind of control the controllable there. Um, yeah, I'm not saying they won't mm-hmm. be
0: entertaining. Like, like there's the thing. If you're going to suck, be entertaining. And I mean, entertaining, like, in the sense of you've got stuff to be hopeful about. Right. Yeah. And, and, I, and I'm not saying if they suck, it's the lost season. I think this is the great season. This is perfect. The Marlins are actually in a good spot. They're, they're in a good I, spot because well, it'll it never w- be harder than this season. Never be harder than this. It will season. never be
1: harder. And <laughs> you know what? Like, the thing is with the Marlins is their timelines, like, I really believe next year is where they start to load up. Does that mean that they're going to compete next year? Like, maybe for a wild card spot but they've already been tied to potentially you know some free agents they just got the new television deal that's almost triple um we're going to like from 20 million to 55 million mm-hmm. they're about to sell naming rights on the stadium their payroll they have no committed money i think it's 15 million next year so they're going to spend a little bit i mean i'm not acting like they're going to go you know right. drop a million million contract but for the Marlins i mean picking up a few 10, 15 million AAV guys that moves the needle with the young talent they have. So I like the way it lines up because you got teams like the nationals that are kind of stuck in the middle right now, where they have some aging talent at the top that you got to kind of try and do it now, but then you also have a kind of subpar farm system where it's like, okay, do we load up this system? And you're stuck in the purgatory, which is a very familiar place for the Marlins, uh, but I think the Nationals, if everybody's healthy, they're competing for a playoff spot. But that's a big if. Same with the Phillies. They're kind of in that weird purgatory. Um, the Braves and the Mets are are all in right now. The Mets farm system is is largely depleted. Um, the Braves are in a really good spot, but one good team in a division is fine. So, you know, when you look at that, I think the Marlins are OK with their timeline kind of fitting 2020, right. 2023. And a lot of other teams are going to be in a tough spot and the Marlins can push forward and, and go all in. But the, that's where I look at the nationals and I'm like, they made these moves this year where it's like, it it was just still kind of just purgatory. Like yeah, I, they don't I don't do not think Josh enough. Bell or Kyle Schwarber, like, like two guys that well, can't play defense. I, I just, I, do, I don't understand. Like the John Lester, it's like, what right. are you trying to do here? What what, what are you going So about?
0: that So that's a big, a big question mark. And you know, when you're, we talk about going for it, the big news we've been talking about is Carter Cuban being sent down. So Carter Keeman being sent down means Starling Castro goes to third. Starling Castro at third means Josh Harrison's playing second. No knock on those guys. They're pretty decent players. But you're not going – like, you have a move to be made there. you got to do something else because that's not going to be good enough for you to win. And I understand – you know, it's kind of funny. Like, it reminds me of the Washington football team. They've got an amazing defense, single-handedly winning winning them games. Go and get a quarterback because they're a quarterback away from being competitive, you know, in in the entire NFC. They almost won with Heineke. Right. And and so it's like you got this defense and the Nationals, you know, I would say they're, you know, I would liken, you know, the the rotation beginning plus having one Soto and Trey Turner. Like you've got – they've already won a championship with these guys. Those are championship pieces. And Mike Rizzo is good at taking calculated risks. But those calculated risks are usually around. Like, you've already got some substantial stuff, right? John Lester at this age, that is that's not a risk. That's just kind of you no risk. You're basically just punting and saying I was about was to, like blindly throwing a dart. Right? You're yeah. like you're like you're like he's. We're just trying to see if we get somebody who is average. And I was surprised, as bad as Annabelle Sanchez was last year, they didn't go and address that. Um, yeah. And there's still you know like Austin Voth was awful he was involved in the competition for the fifth starting spot. I don't know how you could watch him last year and, and be like, I think that guy should be competing for a starting pitching job. I think it's going to be Joe Ross, but the third base, like you mentioned, you know, like they didn't make enough moves. Now I do, here's the thing. I know you don't like Josh Bell, but I do think him and Ryan Zerman at first base is just going to be like an awful combination for other teams because Zerman kills lefties and Bell's been so good, uh, you know, It's pretty good against right-handed pitching, and he's had an awesome spring. I know it's and and you
1: can see the upside there, though. Yeah, at least that's a play where it's like, okay, if Josh Bell recaptures what he was, or at least something close to it, there's an upside play. And they they need one
0: they need one of Schwarber or Bell to do that. They need one of those guys to maximize for them to be competitive. But even if they do get one of those two guys to do it, I don't know if they're better or good enough to beat the Braves, or good enough to beat or compete all season. Rather, I will say this. And I wonder, I wonder if you agree if the Nats make the playoffs and everybody's healthy, nobody wants to play them because absolutely
1: not. Yeah. Because they're, no, because they're,
0: their best players are all still champions. We know world champions. Steve Strasburg, one of the best players, you know, since Madison Bumgarner, you could argue, he's the best pitcher of the playoffs that we've seen. Um, and I would, you know, I wouldn't want to play them. The problem is getting there with this old of a team with guys with some injury concerns. That's where I, I'm, I kind of scratch my head and say, oh, I don't know if they can make it.
1: Yeah, I mean a first round matchup where you got to go through Scherzer, you know, Strasburg, and even Corbin—that's miserable. Also, you know, Juan Soto in the playoffs is a type of dude that can single handedly win you a ball game when you have somebody like Scherzer or Strasburg on the mound. Soto is one of those dudes where it's getting to the point in a big situation. I, I almost—that's like bases loaded, intentional walk type of guy. Yeah. like he's getting to that level. Oh,
0: oh and you, the problem is he wants it too. Like he—that's—he yeah. craves that moment. And you can't bitch to
1: him. (laughs) He's so cool. And and I'll argue like the, the one through three in you know, the nationals lineup, like just that top three guys are just a pain in the ass. If Victor Robles can be even just close to what, and I think he's going to have a good year this year. I really do. Um, And and if Robles is that table setter at the top and you have Soto, you know, just depending on how they're going to order it, but let's say, let's say you got Soto and Trey Turner, whatever the order is of those three guys, that is two of the fastest players in baseball and one of the just most incredible and probably prolific hitters we're going to see for the next decade right there, too. And then, you know, that from the back half, that's the question. I also have my reservations of like the Nationals might be the worst defensive team in baseball now. Key oh, they are like the Wizards. Defender.
0: They're like the yeah. Wizards. They're they're, they're, basi- they're literally God. building the, the baseball version of the Wizards.
1: In, it's in, unbelievable because like Robles is fantastic in center, but Soto like what he did
0: know, last year. He wasn't as good last year. Yeah, really. defensively,
1: you I, know. I think I, I and, and I, I know he wasn't good last year, but mm-hmm. it's so common for these guys, young guys to take their struggles of the plate out to the field. I think Robles is going to be great, but like the poor guy, Robles is going to be running like 500 feet, like both ways, because Kyle Schwarber is inept in left. Soto is not good in right. And Robles is going to probably have a range of like legitimately 400 feet where he's going to have to just run and get everything that sucks. And then you you got to deal with Starwin Castro at third. I I don't even know what that's going to look like. Maybe, maybe it's easier for him than, than second base was with the Marlins, but he was miserable. at 2nd He's got
0: some experience. I think, did he play some of the Marlins at third? I believe he played
1: played some games there. He he wasn't as bad. Maybe he'll be a little bit better there. Josh Bell is one of the worst defensive first basemen in baseball. Today's show is also brought to you by betonline.ag. You
0: guys know the deal. Football season is long gone, but right now we are in the heart of basketball season for the NBA and college hoops. NHL is in full swing, and here comes baseball as well. Also, Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality television, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up today. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON, for a 50% 50% deposit bonus bet online your online sportsbook experts today's show is also sponsored by the best protein bar out there right now built bar guys go to builtbar.com today use the promo code locked 15 that's l-o-c-k-e-d-1-5 to receive 15 percent off on your next purchase at builtbar.com and go check out their Twitter account right now, at Bar underscore Built. If you guys go there, you guys can vote on your favorite Built Bar. They're doing Built Bar Madness right now. They have a bracket set up, and you can go to Built Bar uh, on Twitter. It's at Bar underscore Built, and go vote for your favorite. Check back each day to uh, to see who is winning, and then you guys you know, try to push your favorite Built Bar to the top. Now, it's going to be difficult, uh, but... With your help, you can push your favorite Bill Bar to the top. Once again, go to BillBar.com today. Use that promo code Locked15. You'll receive 15% off on your next purchase. I just,
1: you know, Josh Harrison. I think will be really good at second. So I don't know that that's a concern too. And people, I feel like that's one of the most overlooked things in baseball. It's just like defense matters. Like it really does in ways that you won't be able to see it. Where like if a ball gets through into the hole that some other guys could could have gotten you know that's not going to really show up in the stat sheet
0: well i think it gets magnified more this year though because last year it did not right you're losing games anyway you know what's the difference between being down five two and six two you know you're not really paying as much attention to it you know what i mean but now when you're more competitive and and i know it's a very specific example but like you bring in these guys who are solo power headers right you know you're going to be more competitive you know that's last year they weren't getting the offense from behind one soto and these guys who, who can generate some power on their own make you more competitive. So when those games are a bit closer, right, and you're playing a 4-3 game, it, that error is the difference, right? Putting an extra guy on base, you know, uh, in the seventh inning is, is the difference or even earlier in the game, right? You know, putting yourself in a hole because of a, of a, of a mistake you made. I'm totally with you there. That's one thing they have to clean up. But um, – and this is why I'm so I, – I feel like I'm getting, as the season approaches, more and more low on them because, you know, I feel like they've got – They've got great infrastructure, right? No debate about it. But there's so many questions, right? There's so many questions. There is, you know, the question of will Shoreburn and Bell be better, right? Are they going to make a move at third? Their defense is bad. How do they structure the lineup? They haven't even decided that yet. They've had a whole lot of Victor Robles heading leading off, and I'm not really sold on that yet. You know, you have, there's so many questions they have to answer. and Then you get to the pitching side. The bullpen's injured going into the season. It's supposed to be good, but we don't really know. And then they're starting the back, you know, last two starters are John Lester and, uh, you know, Joe Ross. And look, you look across, the, you know, you say in general, that's good. But in the National League East, you know, Braves and Braves and Mets both have seven starting pitchers. So that is the problem, right? Is that you can't just hold yourself to like a normal standard because that's not your daily competition
1: now. Yeah. And, and what's interesting, too, is that there's still some unsigned free agents that I think I would, like, take over – you know what the uh what the nationals have going on right now feed him to
0: me let me know who do you think of, who do you think yeah
1: I'll, I'll, I'll have to pull up the list in a second but like even recently signed like michael franco i think i'd rather have him at third
0: i this is a name that i saw earlier i was like why not take a flyer on him and just, yeah because it, it allows you to put Stalin castro at second because he's in a play every day he's a decent hitter and then just see what happens with michael franco at
1: third that's that's like a top of the top of the list like guy i would think of I, like rick porcello has he even been picked up yet
0: i, I wouldn't I touch think. him he sucks I, i'm 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 out on the old guys i don't like i really don't like old guys whose numbers are trending in the wrong direction i know the next oh, i agree yeah. a reclamation yeah. thing but like john like that's why i hated the john lester side.
1: Well, what's weird too is like will crow's had a great spring like will crow would probably be like cemented in that rotation right now and- yeah and I'm, I'm not high on Will Crow, but, like, he could be a decent, like, innings eater at the back end. I Maybe, said, like, to Drew a, Smiley. I thought Drew Smiley was a good acquisition to have. Just yeah, he was expensive, guy. though, surprisingly. One you year. Know, yeah, the Marlins, the Marlins have some uh, some solid young back end arms. Maybe there's a deal to be made there. Um, but, you know, that that's what they're going to have to probably look at. I think they're going to probably try and feel out these first couple months and then, and then see what they're going to do because, you know – Again, we're talking about like being kind of stuck in the middle, but the Nationals have the talent to be a playoff team if everybody's healthy, which is a big if, but, you know, let's say it starts to come together, then, you know, you got to start looking at maybe adding and that's where it's like, okay, that means to add, you have to subtract from the farm system. And that's where things get tough again. Cause it's like, okay, do we further deplete this farm system? That's already, you know, not great. Um, I think you do. If you're, if you're out of the gate, you know, you're, you're 20 and 10 or 20 and whatever. Like you got to, and right. that's where it's like, okay, where do we address first? And and I think that obviously is dependent on what's going on, but I think the very obvious spot you address is is the back end of the rotation, and and you got to do that like ASAP. Does Carter Keyboom and uh, you know another prospect or two get you somebody in the back end? Probably. Um, I mean, Keyboom still has value. He's young. He's struggling. Yeah. I I would consider it. You know, and I think some people would say I don't want to sell low, but you also could end up having to sell lower. And I think the Marlins have seen that with Lewis Princeton. I'm not saying Keeboom's Lewis Princeton, but, you know, at some point you, you got to make your decision and say like, okay, how likely is it that this guy's going to pan out or even be what he, what he could be. And maybe you cash in. And I think with the national situation, I think Keeboom is very much a, a trade piece that yeah. makes sense.
0: Well, it, it just, he doesn't, it doesn't fit with the current structure. And you and I were talking before we came on, you know, I, I was pretty unsure of any prospects that we had called up this year because the nationals, you know, I've constructed a team of guys, you know, of guys that like they depend on. Right. I mean, the, there's no kind of guy who's obvious to come up and, and help them and they want to win. Right. So there's no, you, you can't give Carter Keep him time. He can't be over there sucking, you know, hitting 212, playing third base every day. It's his job to lose. But the thing was the, the pressures on the Nats want to win. And that's why he's not part of the roster. Uh, and and that, you know, that's ultimately, you know, the situation there. And I'm, I'm with you. I think he could be a good player change of scenery would probably do him a lot of good because there's a lot of pressure on that position, especially because the guy who was before him, you know, was obviously such a, uh, you know, I mean, the most integral part, I think you would say of that lineup for the last few years, especially after Bryce left uh, the key, you know, what, what before Juan Soto came along. And so there was a lot of pressure there. And I think Carter could be a good player, obviously as the pedigree, right. The, the, the amateur pedigree, as you'd say, I think you're right. I think a change of scenery does a lot of guys good in this sport. And I think he's one of them that just kind of needs a fresh start because this situation is not – it hasn't been managed well. It's not all on him. It's performance and management of it has not been good.
1: And, and, you know, he has a high floor of a good defender, you know, can can make contact, and I think there's something there. So I think a team will 100% give up a, a decent middle of the rotation type of arm that, it, you know, for, for Carter him, depending on their personal timeline. But to kind of go off of what you were saying uh, before – I wanted to like talk a little bit about what your outlook was on the Marlins situation in a best case scenario. Cause I like to play the best case scenario situation. But w- when you look at some of the prospects that could come up, I think there's the Seth Romero pipe dream that, you know, he could be a back end arm or at the very worst a reliever, but somebody that I think maybe Nationals fans, maybe they are, but, but m- might not be totally paying attention to yet. And it would make sense because he was a middle round pick this past or middle round out of the five rounds. And uh, not the most exciting guy in the world, but I honestly think he's going to be a future closer. um, And one of the better closers in baseball is Holden Powell. And Holden Powell is the type of guy that could pitch a few months in the minor leagues and be up into the nationals bullpen this year. And does that move the needle? No, but the nationals, if they could somehow turn into like a super pen uh, where you take some pressure off of the starters and, you know, in those, in those four and five days where you have, the Lester's and, you know, whoever else is going to be in the rotation at that point, that's where, you know, Lester gives you five innings, three runs and you hand it over to the pen and just, you know, nail it down from there on out. Then there's a different situation here for the nationals. The offense is going to play. It's going to be at least league average or better. So, you know, that that's where I think the bullpen could be a huge, you know, X factor for them. Holden Powell was the best closer in college baseball. I saw this guy like, just weirdly coincidentally, I saw him a lot. And um, I saw him is after his freshman summer in the New England collegiate baseball league when when I was working out there. And he was abysmal. Um, You could see the stuff. He was like throwing 96, but just no idea where it was going. (laughs) Then I followed him into that season, his sophomore season at UCLA. He changed his mechanics and he was just different. He won closer of the year at, at UCLA for the entire country. And then uh, he, I got to see him that next summer in the Cape, and he was again different. Ended up leaving the Cape to go pitch for Team USA. Um, what it was for him was changing the mechanics and just going to a two-pitch mix. He was initially a starter, moved into the bullpen. The classic, you know, the classic move a little bit earlier than most do. Fastball slider combination right now plays in the major leagues. Like uh, it's it, those are two major league pitches. He could be in a bullpen right now. And, and that would be a huge bonus for the Nationals to have this just big swing and miss bullpen arm kind of out of nowhere. And the Nationals drafted him under that presumption. I, I think that's why they took him. How often do you take a closer in the third round? Uh, you know, that's just not in today's game. You don't really I, do. that. But the Nationals looked at it like we're getting we're almost picking up a closer in free agency for like next year. <laughs> I, that's a really how I think they looked at it. And I really do believe that, that Powell will be up at some point this year in the major leagues. I talked about this on the, my locked on Moby prospects show and, and I'm going to stick to that, stick to those guns all year. I'm, I'm waiting on the Holden Powell call up at some point.
0: Yeah. Their bullpen, they did a good job constructing it this offseason. The problem is it doesn't appear to be that healthy. Tanner Rainey coming back from injury and then uh, Will Harris had a blood clot removed and they signed Brad hand. So they have Brad hand, Daniel Hudson, Will Harris, Tanner Rainey, Kyle Finnegan's obviously back there. Uh, Wander Suero been <laughs> weirdly very good, in, uh, you know, in spring training. And so the the question, I think, is that, you know, what would it take for him to get up, right, like an injury or two and a pretty good performance from him? But that's very possible. I and mean, we saw it last year. It's very possible. And the Nationals, you know, we saw with the Phillies last year, right, great offense, but their bullpen cost them a bunch of games and probably ultimately a playoff spot. I and mean, it's not, not unfair to say at all. So. Uh, th- that is something that they're looking at. I want to ask you about the prospect side of things in Nationals. Cause I really, you know, you know it better than me. I I don't see many guys with the way the is constructed and kind of the way Davey Martinez normally trusts veterans. I don't really see a situation where there's some younger guy. I mean, especially in the lineups, a fielding perspective who could come through. Also, I mean, do the Nationals have any fielding prospects? I think they all have pitchers. It's just a, it's just 150 pitchers,
1: right? And that's all. Yeah, I have. you know. I think people really are sleeping on, on their pitchers in terms of their prospects like caliber. Um, You know, there's, there's a lot of really good upside pitchers. I thought they did a good job the last two drafts with Jackson Rutledge and Kate Cavalli. And I think there's some really Cole Henry. Yeah. All really interesting arms that doesn't help you right now. And uh, you know, the good news is I think the nationals can trade from their plethora of arms and, you know, not really hurt the system. Like if you were to trade Tim K and Matt Cronin or you know some of those middling guys, you could still get something and get a middle of the rotation type of arm. I think eventually even Tyler Dyson. But when I look at the the position players, it, it, it's a little rough. Um, I mean, I, I don't really know uh, where where they're going to be able to go. I think Cole Freeman is is a potential like hope because he's a speedy, speedy defensive first guy. He's 26 years old. He hasn't played above high A. And so you need to see if he can hit. That's going to be the question. But, you know, could a guy like Cole Freeman maybe come into the equation and be a solid fourth outfielder? Sure, but that doesn't really help either. So it's really, really tough right now for the Nationals is they just don't have a ton of guys that can make an impact. Maybe you hope for Jake Knoll, another 26 year old. I think he got a few games up last yeah. year, right?
0: Yeah, no, yeah, he did. And, and he got some opportunities in the spring as well. But it didn't really pan out for him. Yeah. The Nets have a tough time to developing talent, man. I mean, they've, they've done okay. Like, Steve Andrew Stevenson's pretty good. Obviously, Victor Robles, you know, some of they developed and, uh, you know, Juan uh, and, and Trey coming up. You know, I don't even forward. know if you can
1: take credit for Juan. So Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. You, know, you can take I mean,
1: credit for finding him. Uh, yeah. I mean,
0: here's the thing is that, yeah, that, that's, you know, also, I mean, they other teams offered him more money. So, you know, I'm not sure if you read the ESPN story. The other teams offered him more money and he already, agreed with the Nats and, you know, stayed true to that deal. Thank God he did that. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, they've they've been pretty fortunate with with those guys. And, look, the pitching part of it, too. Like, we've talked about a lot besides Steven Strasburg. Who the hell have they really developed, right? You know, who's, who's been – and I think the hope is that they can stop just splurging a ton of cash on, on starters and, you know, get some of these guys up into the majors and, you know, a few years of control and actually have them be good like Rutledge.
1: And then yeah, I think they out. will. I think yeah, they I do, they too. Will. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think those two guys will
1: but it doesn't help you now. So nope. yeah, that, that's, where that's where it's really interesting.
0: All right. That will do it for part one of our crossover tomorrow. Arm and I come back and we discuss the best case scenario for the Marlins and the nationals this season and kind of their playoff aspirations, more particularly for the nationals. We also pick the Marlins and Nats over unders uh, tomorrow as well on the preview show. And then obviously opening day is Thursday, uh, we'll have kind of a preview episode of some sorts in the morning for what's coming up, not just for the day's game, but what's coming up for the Nationals uh, on the jump. And then I'll probably do a live – I'm going to do a live locker room during the Nationals-Mets opening night game, 7 p.m. Uh, when we'll start it because it's 7.05, first pitch. I'll be live on locker room. Ryan Finkelstein of Locked on, Locked on Mets will stop by for a couple innings. He's got family in town, or else he joined join me for a lot of it. But I'll do a locker room for at least – part of that game on Thursday night. Hope you guys uh, will come come, stop by, join, and once again download the Locker Room app uh, to interact with uh, all kinds of people. Uh, people have been downloading it because they know I'm on it now. Uh, you know, just because friends not saying like follow Josh, want to be on there. But no, people are downloading it and they're telling me they love it. Uh, they're they're having a good time. They're not just going on there, you know, when I'm, when I'm on there uh, to say hello to me. They're going on there in general, having fun on there and debating and talking with people. So a lot of fun, cool community. Go download the locker room app. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at LO National underscore nationals, follow me at Josh Neighbors underscore rate and subscribe, please. Until tomorrow, my friends, please stay safe.